Well, this fall at our in our uh, worship services, we've been returning to the basics of the faith. We've been using the parable of the prodigal son. We've been learning about sin and grace and the father's deep, deep love for both of his wayfaring children. Today, I'd like to read this story once more, the third time. And I'd like to focus on what I think is a missing character in the story, the true older brother, the one who willingly sacrifices his future for the sake of the whole family. So let's uh, return once more to Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. And a reminder uh, that at this stage of, in his ministry, Jesus is being critiqued by the religious leaders uh, for his choice of table fellowship, the people that he's eating and drinking with. Um, he's being critiqued because he's eating and drinking with known sinners. So in response to this criticism, Jesus tells three parables, and the parable of the prodigal son is the third one. Hear God's word. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. You kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. 
But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother's brother of yours was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, if you're a people person motivated by relationships and quality time with loved ones, then you absolutely love this parable. You love seeing the Father's love in action. You love seeing the long-lost Son restored and the Father hosting a party to celebrate his return. But if you're an accountant or a dollars and cents person or a lawyer that handles wills and wants to do what's fair, then this story leaves you with a few questions and and concerns. Like, what does it mean that this younger brother is back home? What does it mean that he's been restored as a son in this house? Does this mean that he'll get another portion of the estate when the father passes away? Shouldn't they have talked about these details before the father put the robe on his back and the ring on his finger? Recall for a moment that all that remains of the father's estate is the elder brothers to inherit. Will he have to split it again? in order to give some uh, of his inheritance to this reckless brother who has wasted his first share on prostitutes. There's a superficial reading of this parable that ignores the cost factor involved here uh, that's introduced by the complexity, or this complexity is introduced by the younger son's return. Those who read uh, this parable in this way, they emphasize the Father's grace and compassion. They say forgiveness is free. We don't have to earn our way at all uh, to be restored with God and to enjoy fellowship with him. And this is for for sure a a key message in the parable, but it, it lacks nuance. For forgiveness and restoration, while amazing, always comes with a cost. Think about it. Think about how forgiveness works for a moment. If you were to back your car into my minivan and dent it, that would be bad, but it wouldn't be the end of the world, and we could work through it. And we could work through it in one of two ways. Either you could step up and pay for the damage that you caused, or I could forgive you and pay for the repair myself. The first option is the way of justice. The one who committed the mistake pays. The second option is the way of mercy. I release you from the mistake you made and absorb the cost of the repair myself. Either way, someone has to pay. With justice, you pay. With mercy and forgiveness, I pay. Another example is, here's another example. Say someone were to slander you and to just drag your name through the mud. You know, that's a, that's a costly offense. Your reputation reputation has been damaged in the community. If you pursue the path of justice, you could have this slanderer charged with libel and make him pay for the damage he's done. Or, the second option, you could absorb the cost yourself and quietly pursue the long road of working to restore your good name. Either way, the cost factor doesn't go away. It's either paid by one or absorbed by the other. Now, in the parable of the prodigal, the father does not make the younger son pay back his share of the inheritance 
before welcoming him back into the fold. The Father chooses the path of mercy. And so it is with the true story of heaven and earth. Praise be to God that we don't have to pay or prove ourselves in order to be celebrated and forgiven and accepted by our Heavenly Father. And yet, this restoration, it's not free. God absorbs the cost. And in this parable, it's the eldest son that's going to have to pay for his brother's return. All that remains of the father's estate is going to be his when the father dies. That's the son's robe on his brother's back. The ring on his brother's finger belongs to him. And when it comes time for the father to die, the, you know, all of a sudden the father's going to split the estate again and give a piece of his share to his younger son. It's not fair. You can hear the older brother hissing to himself outside the party. It's not fair. And it's not. It's not fair. Why should he have to pay? Why should he absorb the cost for his younger brother's mistake? As a dollar and cents guy myself, and I'm a little ashamed to admit that, but as a dollar and cents guy myself, I can empathize with the older brother's situation and his refusal to join the party. And yet, if you think about it, at the end of the day, what's more important when it comes to family? Is it fairness when it comes to dividing the estate? Or is it much better to have a long-lost brother, one that you thought was dead, come home again? Estates can be rebuilt, fields can be repurchased, but a brother... How much does a brother mean to you? What would you do? What would you sacrifice for the sake of a brother? One of the great tragedies of this parable is that the younger son gets a Pharisee for a brother. His refusal to celebrate, as Brittany mentioned two weeks ago, it reveals that this older brother's goodness, his obedience to the father, is not coming from the goodness of his heart. He's got his eyes on the father's things and not on the father himself. And now that his brother has returned and been restored, a new obstacle stands in the way of him getting what he wants. But how might this story have unfolded if the eldest son loved what the father loved and they were united in will and purpose? What if the eldest son's mission in life was not to build up his own kingdom and name, but to pursue the will of his father? for his father's sake, out of love for his father? What if his heart broke just as much as his father's heart broke at the thought of a son missing, gone, lost, dead? Pastor Tim Keller once made the astute observation that there's a missing character in the parable of the prodigal son. You see, much is made about the search and rescue effort in the two parables before this. In the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd leaves the 99 in order to search out and and rescue the one sheep. In the parable of the lost coin, the woman, she lights all the lamps in her house and she sweeps every corner. She looks through her entire house just to find the lost coin. 
But here in the parable of the prodigal son, no one goes into the far country to look for the younger son to rescue him. And I want to make the case today, as Keller does, that it was the older son's, it was his call, it was his call to be his brother's keeper. A good brother steps in. A good brother will go out to try to find you. For at the end of the day, what's more important than fairness is an expanding table filled with all the family members that the father loves. The tragedy of this parable is that the prodigal gets gets a cold-hearted Pharisee for an older brother. But the good news of the true story of heaven and earth is that humanity's true older brother, Jesus, is not in it for himself. And he's willing to bear the cost to do whatever is necessary to search out and to bring the lost sons and daughters of God home. Jesus left his father's estate and went into the far country. He sought out the lost and broke bread with them in their homes. He did what the Pharisees were neglecting to do. Jesus knew that everything that belonged to God belonged to him. He knew that the Father had placed all things under his authority and that the whole earth was his to inherit. And yet knowing this and knowing us, he got up from the table and he took off his kingly robe and he filled up a basin of water and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Over and over again, he kept telling his disciples, I've not come here to be served, but to serve and to give my, my life as a ransom for many. Jesus deserved the ring and the robe and the fatted calf and the seat of honor at the Father's table, but instead, out of love, he willingly descended, allowed himself to be disrobed, beaten, and separated from God to pay the cost of our rebellion and to enable us to be freely restored as sons and daughters in the Father's house. In other words, Jesus is the true brother, the brother we always needed. His will, his purpose was so aligned with his Father in heaven. Out of love, he came. What struck me personally as I was meditating on this passage and uh, thinking about this, this sermon, what struck me personally is that in Jesus, I have a brother who fights for me. An advocate. Someone who will do whatever it takes to bring me home. He labors for the day when I can lift a glass with him together in our Father's house. He fights for the day when me and you and all of God's lost children are found. He longs for the day to celebrate with us at the feast of heaven and earth. This parable tells me that I have a father who wants me home, and it tells me I have a brother who will do whatever it takes to get me there. With all this in mind, this, 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 this parable, this image, all that I've said, I invite you to hear again uh, words that Jesus spoke to his disciples um, uh, before, his, his death and crucif- or before his crucifixion and death. In John 14, he says this, On my father's estate, in my father's house, on my father's estate, There are many rooms, and I am going to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You see how it's his heart and it is his desire not to keep the Father's estate for himself, but to prepare places for us where we can join with him in his Father's and in, 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 in share in this inheritance together. It's his delight to share all that he has with me and you. We have a brother that's willing not only to absorb the cost, but to, but to make this inheritance a shared thing. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a baptismal blessing that I like to speak aloud over people on the day that they are baptized. It's based on an old French Reformed liturgy, and it goes something like this. I say to the little children before, before they are baptized, For you, little one, Jesus came into the world. For you, he lived and showed God's love. For you, he suffered the darkness of Calvary and cried at the last, It is finished. For you, he rose from the dead and has ascended into heaven, and there he intercedes for you. All this he did for you, little one, though you know nothing of it as yet. And so the words of Scripture are fulfilled. We love God because he first loved us. I love the... Uh, I love what this blessing communicates because it simply communicates that Jesus fights for us. His passion is to find and to rescue. His passion is to lead you and me by the hand into the Father's banqueting table that we might celebrate. The cost of this forgiveness and restoration he willingly bears. It's his joy to renovate the Father's estate so that there is room for you and me. To be loved and pursued in this way, to know yourself as one worth dying for. Love like this, it changes us. It produces a humility in us, repentance. It gives us hope. And I'm thinking now that to be a recipient of love like this also enables us to be loving brothers and sisters to each other and the world in return. On the night that Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he said to them, I have set an example for you. I have served you and washed you, and you are to serve and wash one another's feet. Later on that night, he said this, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his brothers the mission to seek out and save the loss, just as they had been sought out and restored to God's household. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so now I send you. As the Father has sent me into the far country to seek out and save the lost, so now I send you to go to restore. Our call brothers and sisters, is not to hoard the good gifts of God's house, but to invite others to join us at the table, to seek them out, to be a faithful older brother like Jesus, our true brother. Amen. Let's pray together.
Lord Jesus, we are amazed at your selflessness and your love that you left your place at the Father's side to pursue us, to fight for us. And when the work was done here on earth, Lord, you returned to the right hand of God, and there you are preparing space for us, rooms in your estate that we might share in your inheritance. All this, and we have done nothing, no payment, no cost, free invitation and gift. Lord, help us to receive this with faith, to trust your word, and to live in the hope that it brings. Lord, maybe there are people here today who um, are feeling distant or lost. Pray that you would reveal your love to them, remind them that you fight for them too. And we ask, Lord, for the power now to be selfless like you were, to be older brothers and sisters to others, to seek out and find with your help. Help us to live into our call uh, in our community, Lord, at this time and place. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.